0: As a practitioner of faith, but also in my personal life, I tend to orient every new year uh, with a a quote from one of the great fathers of the church by the name of St. Benedict, who says this, always we begin again. Always we begin again. Almost every single year, um, I will either post this on Facebook or I will use this as kind of a contemplative practice to remind myself that the God that we serve is a God of new beginnings. Now, I recognize that uh, we know that God can create new life on any given day. We don't have to wait till the new year to have this sense that uh, we start all over again. But there is an energy that comes at the beginning of a year that we don't typically have in the middle of July if we're really honest. Tis the season as I shared last Sunday for people to start putting really profound quotes on Instagram. Tis the season for folks to like clear out their cupboards and to decide that they're going to take on some new challenges in, uh, in their lives. Tis the season when folks actually begin to have an imagination for how they can look different. When typically throughout the year, we can be indifferent or even stuck in our lives. So I don't think that we should ever take it for granted that a new year actually thrusts us into a new mental and heart space that we want to like run a marathon by the end of the year, that we wanna be a better spouse by the end of the year, that we wanna spend more time or be more connected uh, to our friends and our family members, that we wanna show up for others or show up for ourselves, that we wanna be more deeply in love with Jesus. The fact that our heads and our hearts begin to pine for that uh, because the calendar shifts, uh, that's a beautiful thing. Because to be changed is to believe that there is a God who can change you. So we need not poo poo the energy that we have to have an imagination for a new life. But this is the thing that most of us do not know, um, or you may not know, is that it's also the Christian calendar that helps us to have a sense of newness of life during this season. So uh, the 25th is what we call, of December, is what we called. The 25th of of December is what we call? That was an easy one. I wanted you all to get, you know, you get a pony, you get a pony, That that was an easy one. And do you remember this song? On the 12th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Well, guess when the 12th day of Christmas is? Today. The 12th day of, so there are 12 days of Christmas. That song that you sing about all of those 30 birds, not dirty birds, 30 birds. And the 12 days of Christmas, um, there it's actually like uh, rooted in the liturgical calendar. The sixth day of Christmas, or excuse me, the 12th day of Christmas is January 6th, which is today, which is what we consider to be the Feast of the Epiphany or Epiphany. Typically on this day in the life of the church, on the 6th, uh, pastors or those who come together for worship will read the story of the three wise men who come to bring Jesus gifts or they'll read the story of when Jesus got lost in the temple when Mary and Joseph literally lost the Son of God the Son of Man Um, can you imagine oh la we just we just lost the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings (laughs) CPS is coming to get us Um, or uh, typically on epiphany we will read about the baptism of Jesus now, let me tell you, um, all three of these stories point to, one, a declaration that is made over Jesus that we know that this little boy who was born in a stable and very, very, very simple means is not just an ordinary boy, but that this ordinary boy is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings is truly God in human flesh. The other thing about um, those three stories is that it tells you something about like Jesus' identity. Yes, Jesus is connected to shepherds, Jesus is connected to these angels that sing, Jesus is connected to Mary and Joseph, but Jesus is also connected to the one who created the heavens and the earth and is actually the fullness thereof in physical form of this God who reigns on high. So, Epiphany, this day in the church, which means either manifestation, come on friends, the manifestation of, or appearances, we get to lean into that as we're also dreaming and having an imagination for our lives. That we might love Jesus more, that we might show up for ourselves or show up for others, that we might walk away from some bad and broken patterns, that we might live with more joy or more hope, that we might be the kind of person whose life goes viral because we have lives that are worth imitating, they're life-giving lives. But I'm going to pray that this Sunday, this this day of the epiphany, that you would settle your hearts and the ears of your hearts to hear however it is that God wants to speak a declaration over you or remind you of your identity as we begin a new year. So I'm going to read for us... um, from Mark's Gospel. This is the first chapter of, uh, of Mark, beginning with the fourth verse. And this is going to be the passage of scripture that's going to anchor us um, today. And here now these words beginning with verse number four. It says that John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Then it says, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? God, we believe that you have a word for us, but we also believe that you want to speak a word over us. So would you turn down the volume on all the other voices that would seek to distract us? The voice that tells us of all the things that we've left undone or the things that we still need to do. Turn down the volume on the voice that would say that we know more than you. <laughs> Turn down the volume on those voices that would keep us from hearing a word of grace that might make us new. God, would you take my words hostage, 12-point font on a piece of paper. And Might you make them your words. And might I not get in front of you, but Lord, instead that I might walk behind you that the words that I preach and proclaim and the words that we meditate on all of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So uh, Mark's Gospel is a little bit different than all the other uh, Gospels other than John's Gospel in that Mark's Gospel doesn't have your typical kind of birth narrative of Jesus. Instead, when you um, approach Mark's Gospel, you basically get two characters in crowds. You get John and you also get Jesus. There is no baby. You just get man Jesus in Mark's Gospel. Now, let me tell you a little bit about John. John is Jesus' cousin. You may remember when our our dear sister, Reverend Donna Coltrane Battle, talked about um, Elizabeth and Zachariah uh, and their desire to have a child and how Elizabeth was barren, and then because of God's goodness, because nothing is impossible with God, uh, God helped her to have a child. And her child, who is named John, is this John, who is Jesus' cousin. Now, John has an interesting fashion sense. It says that he wears camel's hair and a leather belt. He's not one to put himself on the gram because he's kind of, you know, (laughs) not wearing the cloak of the day. And he locates himself in the wilderness, kind of uh, on the outskirts of town, and he eats wild locusts and honey. Now, this is the thing about John eating wild locusts and honey, is that it actually connects him to a prophetic lineage. That was also the diet or the food of choice for the prophet Elijah, who was a great um, prophet in um, the Old Testament. So John, John is not just any ordinary human being. John has got some stuff going on. And we find here in the first part of Mark's gospel that John has a thriving ministry. It says that people are coming into the wilderness. Come on now, friends. People are coming into the wilderness. And they're being baptized by John, which means that they're going through a cleansing or a renewal ritual, and they're beginning to confess their sins and also repent, which means that they're they're wanting to take on a new character of life. This is not just show. This is not just kind of jumping through some spiritual hoops, but these individuals who are coming into the wilderness, they want to be made new. And they're coming because John is obviously doing something in his life that would compel people uh, to come into the wilderness, but John's probably greatest gift in the scriptural uh, narrative is that John is, in essence, Jesus' hype man. I preached about 10 years ago that John um, reminds us of the beauty of a shout-out. John says, you know, there is one that I'm preparing the way for. He's crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. And John, recognizing that he is great, gives a shout out to Jesus who he recognizes is greater. And so uh, John is basically saying, yes, I know that people are coming into the wilderness. I know that people are wanting to change their lives. I know that people are coming to be baptized by me, but I want to tell you about my cousin, Jesus. I am not even worthy to to bow down and to untie his sandals. I, I, I can baptize you with water, but this one will baptize you with the power and presence of the Most High God, the Holy Spirit. Yes, I am great, but look, this one, this one is a change maker, a life shifter, a narrative eraser. This one is going to change and transform your life. John is great, but John's role is to point to Jesus and to say that Jesus is greater. And yet, this is the interesting thing that happens in this passage. After John says that I can baptize with water, but it's Jesus who can baptize with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden Jesus also pops up in the wilderness and there seems to be a role reversal because Jesus is now baptized by John. Okay, you say that you're not even worthy enough to untie his sandals. You say that the one who's coming after you is actually the one who is greater and has been before you. You say that you can baptize with material means, but you're saying that this one can baptize with divine needs. Should it not be Jesus who is baptizing John? Now, I won't go into all of the reasons that scholars believe that it was important for Jesus to be baptized. This one who was without sin, who was without blemish, who was perfect. That he would need to receive the gift that we say we can't earn it, but it's only by God's grace that we get to come to the baptismal waters. There's lots of reasons as to why scholars and theologians think that has to happen. But what I want you to hold on to is this great role reversal. Imagine if you go to your doctor and you sit in your doctor's office and you turn to your doctor and you're like, hey, why don't you just hop up here on the table? Let me just kind of look you over real quick. <laughs> Or you walk into your hairstylist and you're like, you know, I'm going to give you a little fade and snatch those edges. Um, (laughs) It does not make sense in some ways that John is the one who's going to get to baptize Jesus. That great baptizes greater. But in light of this Sunday, the Feast of the Epiphany, In light of this Sunday where we talk about the appearances or the manifestation thereof, there are two things that I think we can take from this passage of Scripture that might help us to rest in even this role reversal of John baptizing his cousin, Jesus. The first is this, is that we get to take note of how it is that Jesus in this epiphany of us recognizing who Jesus is has a personal experience, We get to see Jesus actually leaning into a practice of faith. Jesus isn't here to to heal crowds. Jesus isn't here to preach a sermon. Jesus isn't here to to talk about himself or to declare that the heavens are going to be open wide or, or, or to make some prophetic gesture. Jesus isn't here to do anything, but Jesus comes for something to happen to him. And so he gives us a glimpse of how it is this Jesus who we see do glorious and wondrous deeds also attend to the interior life. To come to the very place that others are coming to say, I want to walk in newness of life, that Jesus has this personal experience of life, I'm going to show for you the courage it takes to live into a particular practice. Now what you may not know is that right after um, uh, Jesus is baptized, he is thrust into the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights, and he is tempted and badgered by the enemy, the Satan, by the devil. And he is fasting, and it is difficult, and it is not an easy time. And yet Jesus goes into the wilderness having first had a personal experience of the goodness of a God who sent him into the world to be like God so that we might also know what it is to look like the glory of God. I think what I want to invite us um, to hold on to with this personal experience is that for all of the striving, for the planner that I purchased, for the strategy that I've put into place, for the people who are going to be my cheerleading section, for all of the ways of accountability that I'm going to try to get through these next 12 months so that I might be the very best version of Lisa, maybe I need not forget that before I am thrust into the new year, to also maybe intend to the interior life. Because if not, by March, I will be doing the janky things that I was doing last June. Because if it's all about doing and not recognizing that you have to go to the very source that has empowered you to be about the doing, you will do to the capacity of your humanity, not to the capacity of the divinity which is within you. So Jesus has this personal experience. John, baptize me. The second thing is that this is also an experience of identity. This is an experience of identity now the passage begins with John giving Jesus a major shout out I am preparing the way of the Lord guess what my cousin is the one that the prophet Isaiah and in Malachi and even in Genesis points to this is the one that we have been waiting for I am great he is greater Then John goes on to say y'all I, I cannot I cannot even stoop down To untie his sandals because he is just that great. I am not worthy. He gets a glorious pump up, shout out, affirmation from John. But it is at Jesus' baptism that Jesus gets an affirmation, a shout out, a word of grace from God. It's not to say that John's words don't matter. It's not to say that John's words don't have power, but it is to say that God's word over Jesus in this moment are more powerful. It says that when Jesus goes down into the waters and when he is coming up out of the water, that at the same time that the heavens open up and that there's a voice from heaven along with a dove that descends, or the Holy Spirit descending, it all depends on which gospel lesson you look at, the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus and this voice that says, yes, you are my son. You are the Beloved with a capital B, the one with whom I am well pleased. God, the Father offers up this beautiful word over Jesus. Maybe this is what we can take from this, just maybe. Maybe. It has become a custom, and I have even taken on this practice, of choosing a word for a new year. Last year, I chose two words because I'm just like abundant like that. (laughs) This year, I decided I was going to have a whole phrase. Some of you, I know, have created hashtags for your new year. And there is something really powerful that that word flourish, alignment, focus, strength, growth, evolve, whatever it may be, will actually dictate the way in which you begin to think about your practices that that word will help to keep you um, mindful whenever you begin to move off of your course. That one word that you might write in front of your journal or on your planner might actually yield great outcomes for you by the end of the year. But do not forget (laughs) that as you have chosen a word for yourself, not to stop and listen to the word that maybe God wants to choose for you that this is going to be the year of breakthrough for you, that this is going to be the year when you don't just say you are the beloved, you will start to act like you know you have value and worth and that you live like you're the beloved. That this thing of faith will not just be you trying to jump through holy hoops, but you will actually let your whole life be soaked and your very self covered in the dust of your rabbi, the one who is named Jesus, that you might take on the quality and the characteristics of Jesus's life. You will have people who are going to hold you accountable, who are going to tell you remember your word, who are going to speak over and over again over you. But do not, do not miss the opportunity to find yourself in a still place that you might say, God, is there a word that you want to speak over me? That was not what I had anticipated. Lord, what are you talking about? Am I going to fall down this year? Oh, no. Okay. Hold on. Let me just go back and stand in my place. Woo. Let me hold the Bible while I finish this sermon. Jesus. In conclusion... This is what we know about God's words over us. In the prophet Isaiah, it says that God's word will never return empty. Basically, that whatever God says over you will not fall to the ground. God will not use words like a like a carrot in front of you to entice you. But when God um, says a word, God will make you the word. We see this God, this God of creation in Genesis, who speaks everything into existence. Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be life, and there was life. Let there be hope, and there is hope. Let there be a change, and there is change. Let there be transformation, and there is transformation. I pray that you will have a personal experience that might fuel the next 12 months, an encounter with Jesus, that you will not try to do this alone, that you will not believe that a planner is going to be the thing that's going to lead you to your breakthrough, but it's the one who will meet you at the waters, who will not just baptize you with water, but will also baptize you with his very divinity might get you through. And you might have chosen a word or people might have even spoken a beautiful word over you. What is the word that God wants to speak to you? Maybe it's too grand, maybe it is greater, maybe it's more powerful or more dangerous than the little thing you have scribbled. If God says, erase it, because I have come to give you exceedingly abundantly far more than you could ever ask for or have imagined. Can you trust that when you're coming up out of the waters and the heavens are opened up, that you will listen to what God says. This morning we um, have the great gift of um, of baptisms this day. And you know what's really interesting? I'm just, this is off script a little bit, but um, Olivia, who is the youngest of uh, Sarah and Patrick, she um, is to be baptized today. And on the ride to church, her older sister, Amelia, and I think Amelia's about four, yes, um, said, I wanna be, oh, three, said, I wanna be baptized too. So um, Amelia is also going to have a dangerous word over her. Maybe it's because she recognizes that there is something really beautiful about God's word, even in her three-year-old self being spoken over her. Will you pray with me?